Baltimore. There's a guy, uh, Montgomery, host of Man in the Mirror, with your co-host tonight, Michelle Johnson, as always. And we are here live on Man in the Mirror. And tonight's episode, we're discussing a unique twist on something that we say all the time, blessed assurance. And you're probably trying to figure out, okay, what are we going to be talking about with blessed assurance? Well, the Lord gave me something interesting tonight to talk about on one of my favorite, um, shall I say, favorite stars in the Bible, because they are all stars, because each person, each historian, each person in the Bible has a unique story. And tonight's special person has one that I've always thought about and thinking about. And, you know, it just shows us that God is truly God and he has no problem with showing himself to us. Um, We will be discussing an Old Testament character, Gideon. If you want to chime in, you can do so by pressing number one on your phone and we're going to open up in prayer. And I'm sorry, uh, Nichelle, welcome back to the show, Nichelle. Thanks. Thanks. Sorry, Sarkar forgot about Excellent. me. I was going to hang up and oh, figure I'm sorry. out. <laughs> oh, oh, my bad, my bad. <laughs> I apologize about that. But um, as always, we're going to start off with prayer, and then we're going to get into the Bible tonight because there's all nothing wrong with bringing in the Bible on a lot of what we're doing because that the Bible is always the meat and potatoes. But let's bow our heads. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we just bow down and your service, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for our lying down, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for waking us up to a day we've never seen before, Lord. This was the day that the Lord has made. Let us all rejoice and be glad in it, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for traveling mercies over the busy highways and byways, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your word, which is truth, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for blessed assurance when we don't know, Lord. We can always come to you and find out and be assured in you, Lord. Continue to bless the man in the mirror, everyone who listens, everyone who listens on demand, Lord, everyone who may come on tonight, Lord, and help us just improve this show for, to show for your honor and glory. We will never fail to give you all glory, honor, and praise. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, all right. Tonight our discussion is titled Blessed Assurance. I know what you're thinking. What is Hezekiah talking about tonight? Blessed Assurance. Well, there's a story in the Bible that I love. There's a story about Gideon and the fleece, and many of you probably heard of it but never thought about it. You see, the Israelites had done evil in the sight of the Lord, and he gave them into the land of the Midianites, and they were really going through with this. But guess what? God was still God, even though he allowed things to happen to them many times. God will allow things to happen to us to get our attention. And in this story, that's what God did. When we're disobedient, there is a price to pay. But then there's God. And I'm actually going to start off with the scripture to build up to this so you guys will understand what I was talking about when it, you know, and I'll be skipping around. And then, you know, questions. If, Michelle, you want to stop me to say something, do so. But uh, we're going to start off with is in Judges chapter 6, and it has a lot going on that the Lord brought out to me as I was working on it. 
starting in verse 1, the Israelites, the Israelites did evil in the, in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years she gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Now, remember, seven is God's perfect number, so a lot of times when God does something, he does it in seven. He created the world of six days. On the seventh day, he rested. So that's important. That's an important number because the power of the Midian, Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountains, clefts, caves, and strongholds. Wherever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites and Milikites and other eastern people invaded the country. They camped around the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them and their camels. They invaded the land and ravaged it. Now that's important, too. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land and ravaged it. Midian, Midian, so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. They are in a bad place right now. When the Israelites cried to the Lord because of the Midian, because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and I delivered you from the land of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. They were disobedient. He said, do not, you're living there, but do not worship their gods. But you were disobedient. You didn't listen. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak and Oprah that belonged to Joash, the, uh, the, the uh, these words, the, the Abiezite, Abiezite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in the wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord be with the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us out of, out of Egypt? But the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have. Go in the strength you have, and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my lord," Gideon replied. "How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family." The Lord answered. Now God is talking now to Midian, to Gideon. I will be with you. And that's verse 16. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Getting replied, 
If now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. Now, this just came out to me in the show. He said, I'm going to bring an offering to God. I'm going to bring out my offering. He ain't going to say, okay, you're going to be with me. I'm going to walk away, and this is how it's going to be. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. There's dialogue. There's a dialogue going on between Gideon and God right there. Gideon went inside, prepared a young goat, and from the ephah, a flower, he made bread without yeast, putting the meat in a basket and the broth in a pot. He brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. The angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on the rock, and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. The angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of the staff that was in his hand. Fire fled from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. And so I'm going to go over to verse 38, because now it says, talks about Gideon building an altar and everything, and now we're going to get into the meat potatoes. Gideon, the Lord told Gideon that I'm going to use you to save the people. Now, I'll pick it up at verse 30, 33. Now, all the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern people joined forces and crossed over the Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel. Then the Spirit of the Lord came to Gideon again, and he blew the trumpet, summoning the Abiazites to follow him. He sent messengers throughout Manasseh, calling them to arms, and also into Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, so that they too went up to meet them. Now Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on a threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and all and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you said. Now, there are many people that have actually tested God to see if he is going to do what he says he was going to do. Um, now let's look back. Abraham test, you know, you know, you know, before Sodom and Gomorrah is going to be destroyed, he said, well, if I find a certain amount of people, will you not? Now, here we go with Gideon saying, okay. He said, look, I will place a wool fleece, verse 37, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. Because he wanted to be sure, look, if there be due only on the ground, fleece, and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you said. So now he's testing them. You know, he said, okay, God, you know, I need to know. If this is real, I need you just to show me through this miraculous miracle. So, okay, okay. And that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next morning, the next day. 
He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. So God did what he said he was going to do. Gideon asked, and God did, because Gideon wanted to be sure. Look, if I go out there, you know, we're looking at now the Midianites, uh, Melchites, and other eastern people joined forces and crossed over the Jordan and camped, and camped in the valley of Jezreel. So now we got all these forces. This big storm is coming, and Gideon said, okay, I need to be assured that if you're going to be with me, that I know you got my back. You got my back, bro. You, you, I know you're there. But Gideon didn't stop there. Then Gideon said to God, okay, okay, do not be angry with me. Let me just make just, let me make just one more request. How many of us in life ever thought about, you know, we, we pushed the, push the envelope to God. He done did what he said he was going to do, and then we must say, well, you know, our kids do the same thing. Let me just push the envelope. Let me just push the envelope one more time. So he said, allow me one more test, the fleece. But this time, make the fleece dry and the ground be covered with dew. That night, God did so. Only the fleece was dry and all the dew, all the ground was covered with dew. So now we're looking at a man, Gideon. He worshiped first. He worshiped. He sacrificed because those were the traditions. You know, you know, he was getting himself ready to go into battle, and you know, he worshiped God, and then he tested God because he seen all that he knew was was he knew what he was up against, and you know, many of us we have to be sure before we go out. Because if you know what you're up against, you definitely have to be sure before you go out there. You have to be anointed. You have to understand that God is with you. Don't just decide to go out and you didn't prepare yourself. So he wanted to know, okay, is God going to be with me? And so he tested God. He, You know, he's like, okay, okay, you know, if this is going to happen, I need to see some kind of sign. So many, you know, many of us would say, okay, one sign is enough. But Gideon knew what he was against, up against. So he said, I need a sign. Um, any questions or comments, Michelle? I'm just listening in. Can you hear me, Mr. Kane? Yeah, I just heard you there. All right. So how many, you know, have you ever, you know, thought about a sign, you know, if you know God wants you to do something and you ever tested God and say, okay, God, if this is what you want me to do, I need some kind of sign because I'm not just going to go out there and do it. I need some kind of sign. Have you ever did anything like that? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And I tell people a lot of times that I'm not moving until... I know God wants me to move, and with me, I don't know about anybody else, but I'm, he's no respect the person, so um, I'm sure he does the same thing with everybody else. He makes himself abundantly clear when he is meaning for me to do something, and the reason I say that is because often abundantly clear means that he does it in such a way that really there's no other option 
and the way that's presented is usually the most beneficial thing to do. And, you know, it may be, and I've had it on both ends where it was, it was what I was hoping and expecting for that, that he told me to move. And then I've had it where I really wanted to move, but he was not telling me to move yet. And so, you know, we, as people, we're going to have both of those instances happen in our lives often. So you really have to be in tune to what God is trying to tell you and show you because, you know, that is the only way that you can make these decisions and things that, you know, and know that you're in God's will when you do it. And I remember, um, for instance, you know, one of them was a job. And so hopefully what I'm saying, it'll it'll speak to someone. One of them was a job. And I had, you know, applied here, applied there. I had an opportunity that I thought God might bless me in. But then it turned back around and, and they were, you know, turning me down for specific reasons or whatever. And I was like, well, okay, God, I guess that wasn't where I was supposed to go. So, you know, that was fine for me to accept. And uh, and then I got the opportunity for another job. And even the way that the job came about, it was just filled with signs and wonders from God. So a lot of times we really don't have to guess if we're honestly paying attention. You know, somebody saying something to you, they might not even speak on that exact thing, but they may hint around or get close to what's gonna what's gonna happen with you and then the the things just seem like they come out of the blue and doors just break open and you're like, Oh, okay you know, so that's kinda how that opportunity was. And then it seemed as though it wasn't going to work out. So I ended up being almost like in the job experience where people were literally calling me to check. Like they were super concerned about the status of what was going on with this job. And they were literally calling me to check on the job and what had happened and if I was in yet and what was going on. And so, you know, I felt like, you know, like with Job's wife, you know, like people were literally coming around and saying to me, you know, you want to, you might as well give give up on that job. You might as well give up. You better start. You better start um, looking for something else, and like all this stuff. So I was mm-hmm. just like, wow. And I, you know, if I had not known, if I had not known and paid attention to the fact that the way that it was brought about was was miraculous all on its own, then I might have let that, you know, get me into a place where I was like, oh, I'll just go on and apply someplace else and whatever. And and that is, that's also a, a, a indication of how strongly I believe that that was what God had for me because I had even stopped applying to jobs and everything. So, because he had told me, like, that was the one. 
And I literally waited for, I think it was probably, probably maybe a month or more. I literally waited that long and still hadn't heard anything. And so, you know, how, how you like to say, long story short, <laughs> I, I ended up, of course, getting the job because I just, I knew and it was so funny after I got the job and people were like, you must have really known you were going to get that job because, you know, no matter what anybody said, you you just kept saying, no, God, God said, God said, God said. <laughs> and so, you know, we had instances like that, you know, sometimes. And then, I, you know, that even within that job, it was things going on, and I wanted to leave. I was like, God, I really want to leave because, you know, this is this is stressful for me. The the you know the people, I don't know, and I it was I was just going through some things, and I said, and I even was apologizing to God because I was like, Lord, I appreciate the job. I do. I thank you. You know, this was definitely a gift from you because it came out of nowhere. And I did, I did, I appreciated it. But, um, yeah, I was at that point. And I literally not got one job offer, but at the same time got two different job offers. Both were making more money and, you know, going back to work that I actually liked. Even though I liked the work I was doing at this job, it was this other situation made it stressful. And so everybody was like, oh, yeah, congratulations. You know, which one are you taking? You know, like this is how everybody was reacting. And I just didn't seem so happy. So I think it was my honor. Somebody, she was like, well, do you want the job? <laughs> and I was like, I do, but I'm not moving unless God tell me. And he ain't said it yet. And I said, so. These people need an answer. So right now I'm praying for him for, you know, whatever he wants me to do because it's not being made clear to me that I'm supposed to leave. And I said, and I can't believe it because I really want to go. <laughs> and it ended up that in the, I think it was early, early in the morning, and it was getting to the point where I had to inform that job about what was going to be happening. And um, I just, I got up and the Lord, you know, just calmed my heart. And basically he just calmed my whole spirit down. And I went ahead in the work that day. And I, I was even like, wow. I said, wow, that's a blessing. I'm just like, I ain't even worried about it, but I know I had to give these people a decision. I went and worked that day. And all of a sudden, I was being offered, you know, more money. The um, just it, it was just crazy. I, you know, it was benefits and perks to that job that I would definitely wouldn't get. And I was just, and one of the reasons I really wanted to go is because they started out underpaying me, and did not want to make it right. So you know, it, it, it's that's like a specific, very specific instance. But we have situations like that that happen in our lives all the time, and we really need to be paying attention 
to see how God is trying to lead and move us because it had to be something that he just he just would not let me settle and completely take that job. Um, it, and I was wondering why, because I really wanted to go. And I was like, why is he not settling in my spirit that I need to call these people and give it? give my resignation like I like I literally well and, and and actually I had given my resignation I had given my resignation because that's what he told me to do but I hadn't cut and that was the weirdest thing because you would think that I would have done the other part first I hadn't contacted the people to tell them that I was definitely definitely coming they were waiting on me to contact them back so they could issue me a start date. And so I was saying I was going to give my, my resignation. And I went ahead, I gave my resignation, but I still never called them back to say that I did. And so I was going to be starting. And then he caused my job to counter offer me and, and allow me to stay. And I just thought that was really crazy. And, I, you know, then, I, of course, I had to call the people with that final, you know, decision or whatever. And they were waiting for me to, you know, complete the things that I needed to complete to come. And they were disappointed, of course, but they were like, well, I understand. <laughs> but it's just like that's how God does. He, he'll, he'll, that's how you know it's him because he'll smooth mm-hmm. everything out. He'll make it a smooth transition, and he'll make everything to work out in the way that it should. And so, you know, I just, I just thank him, thank him, and, and so we just have to be aware and and paying attention because he's showing you. You just have to be paying attention. So what you're saying is you had your Gideon experience. Because uh, God yeah, was I guess, showing I guess you, so. <laughs> you had to get in it, get in experience. Wow, we are closing down to the first half hour. That was a lot. That was mouthful, you know. And we still got more of the Gideon story to go. I haven't even gotten to the meat and potatoes of it yet, but um, we are getting down to our next uh, half hour of. What we're going to do. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to have a couple notes from a few of our supporters. Music instruction for all learners, where music knows no age. If you're interested in music instruction, such as piano lessons or instrumental lessons, please contact us at 443-574-5491 and set up an appointment to talk to our instructors. Another sponsor is Curvy Boss Project. Curvy Boss Project was created to empower, inspire, motivate, and change the lives of full-figured women. Curvy chicks are boss chicks, too, not to mention beautiful, intelligent, and talented. Please check them out on Facebook at Curvy Boss Project. Another special supporter and a very talented young lady, Diana Eaton of Diana Arlena Photography. For great pictures at a great price, contact Diana Eaton on uh, Diana on Facebook at Diana Eaton, and we will now take a break. 
We will be back in the next few minutes. Today's show is titled Blessed Assurance. We are discussing another subtitle could be The Gideon Experience. Chapter 6, when he put God to the test, 
and when the Israelites were going through because they were being disobedient. And, you know, they were being ravaged by the Midianites and uh, Amor- Am- Amalekites and other Eastern peoples joining forces against them. And God was calling Gideon to lead the people into battle. And Gideon said, uh-uh, I need to make sure that you are going that you got me. You know, you know, you know, we got our friends in the background. Some of them say, I got your back. And yeah, you got my back, yeah, way back. So you gotta be sure before you walk out there that they with you. You know, some people say they got your back and you turn around, you by yourself. But Gideon wanted to make sure that God was gonna be with him. So he put him to a test. And after he finally and after God, you know, did what he said he was gonna do, and that he was very specific and we have to be specific. You did you pay you had pay attention to that in the show. He said he Gideon gave God specific instructions. So I guess God humored him. He said, Okay, you give me specific instructions. Gideon said, Look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. Now let's look at what threshing floor is. The threshing floor is where they thresh the wheat. If I'm correct. The threshing floor is with a threshing field, a hard-level surface on which grain is threshed with a flail. So, yes, he said, I'm going to put one on a threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and all around the ground is dry, then I will know. That's specific. If it's only on the fleece and everything else is dry, that's specific. And we got to talk to God with specifics. Because many of us say, well, God do this, but God wants specifics. And Gideon was specific. He said, and all the ground is dry. Then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you said. Again, that is what happened. Gideon rose up early the next morning. He squeezed a the fleece. And the fleece is like nothing but a fleece is nothing but the wool of a lamb, like a, made into like a rug to wear, you know, to keep you warm. And the fleece wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. Then he said, okay, do not be mad with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test. He did call it a test with the fleece. But this time, make the fleece dry and the ground be covered with dew. That night, God did so. Only the fleece was dry and the ground was covered with dew. So he tested God. He definitely tested God. He said, okay, let me test you. Make sure you're going to be with me. Now, this, now here comes God. Now, now that he knows that I have the blessed assurance, I have this assurance that I know you're going to be with me, now it's God's turn to do what he said he was going to do. Chapter 7, early the next morning, they gave him the name Jerubabel because, you know, that is Gideon, is, and all his men camped in the Spring of Harad, the camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Moray. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. Hmm. Now, remember, let's go back to verse 33. Now, all the Midianites, not some of them, not a few of them, all the Midianites, the Amalekites, and other eastern People joined forces and crossed over to the Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel. Now, when we go back to verse 1 in chapter 7, 
early in the morning, Jerubabel, that is Gideon, and all his men camped at the spring of Harad at the camp of Midianite. Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill. Verse 2, the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into your hands, for Israel will boast against me. My own strength has saved me. Now, you know, we got a point. In life right now, we always say, well, I worked hard for this degree. I did this. I did that, you know. You know, we many times in the show, we forget that God blessed us to be able to do what we have. But many times, God is saying, uh, you guys, you, you have too many men. They're going to say, okay, we did this. So this is what God did. Now, announce to the army, anyone who is trembling with fear, return back and leave Mount Galeed. I'm going to read this again because I'm about to crack up. Now, anyone, now, now to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Galeed. So, <laughs> so 22,000 men left while 10,000 remained. Could you, could you imagine that? 22,000 men were trembling with fear. I would have been in the number, Hezekiah. I would have been one of the 22,000. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting well, out of here. 22,000 men. Which, now, I got to read that again because I'm amazed. He said, now, now to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Galeed. So 22,000 left. While 10,000 remain I'm like you got to be crazy Okay So let's move on Verse 4 in chapter 7 But the Lord said to Gideon There are still Okay I got 10,000 men Let me go back This is this is, this is mind blowing I got to go back to verse 33 And then jump back over Now all the Midianites Now that's just one country The Melchites and other eastern people joined forces and crossed over the Jordan and, and, and camped in the valley of Jezreel. Now, we got 10,000 men left. We start off with 32,000, if I, my count is right, 22,000, 10,000, 32,000. 22,000 left, I'm down to 10,000. But the Lord said to get in there are Still too many men. Now, we're talking about blessed assurance. Now, I will be assured that if I got 10,000 men, I have a fighting chance. I'm assured. Uh-huh. That's just me. I had 32,000, but 22,000 left. I got 10,000. But God said, there's still too many. Take them down to the water, and I will send send them out for it for you. For you there If I say this one shall go with you He shall go But if I say this one shall not go with you He shall not go So God is doing The weaning process Many times God does the weaning process In our lives Because we think everybody's our friend Everybody's your friend And sometimes God has to do that weaning process To see who's going, Who got your back Who's going to be there 
So God is on the weaning process with Gideon's men. So Gideon took the men down to the water. Now listen to this. There the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongue as a dog laps from those who kneel down to the drink. Again, so Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. Now, this is what's going to, this is what this is going to show you. 300 of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. Now, from paying attention to what a lot of ministers and preachers and people have said, are you ready for battle, Michelle, if you kneel down to drink? The silence is deafening. But he was saying that if they, many people say, if you get on your knees and kneel down and laugh like a dog, you're not ready for battle. But if you, hey, you hear me, Hezekiah. I didn't hear you. I didn't hear anything. I don't know what's going on. They, they, they didn't want me to say this. That's all I can say. But I was going to say, yes, I'm going to go with answer number one. That no, that is not a good idea because to me that sounds like you get taken by surprise if you end up down on your knees trying to drink some water. Exactly. And that's what God was saying. If you, he goes that knelt down on one knee and they put the, they cut the water in their hand and they drink. That means they're always ready so you ain't jumping up on them. They cut the water and drank from their hand. 300 of them drank from cupped hands laughing like dogs, all the rest got down on their knees to drink. The Lord said to get in with the 300. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to do the math. You know, you may laugh. You may talk about me, but I have to do the math because I'm kind of upset. I got 32,000 men. I'm good. I can beat anybody with 32,000 men. So I got 32,000. Yes, I'm doing the math. Then you took 10,000 away from me, 22,000. So that leaves me 10,000. Now you kept separating them. Now I'm only, so that means he left him with only, without that 10,000, he left the other 9,700 were gone. So now he's left with 300 to defeat. Again, let's go back, let's go back, jump over to verse 33 in chapter 6. Now all the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern people joined forces and crossed over the Jordan and camped in the Valley of Jezreel. So we have all these forces. Even though he said, yeah, you got my blessed assurance, I'm going to help you out. But you're not going to be able to do, I'm not going to let you take 32,000 men. I'm going to take, I'm going to get you out of 300. 300 men. I'm going to get you down to 300 men, and then you'll be ready for battle. The Lord said to Gideon, with the 300, verse 7 in chapter 7, 7, 7, the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men, they laughed, I will save you and give you the Midianites into your hands. 
let all the others go home. So Gideon sent of the Israelites home, but kept the 300 who took over the provisions and trumpets of the others. So God was saying that if you trust me, I will give you that blessed assurance that when you go into battle, you're going to win. You're listening live with uh, Man in America, with Jehovah's Hezekiah L. Montgomery and co-host Michelle Johnson. We are talking about the blessed assurance, reading from Judges chapter 6 and 7, with the story of Gideon, the golden fleece. That You know, Gideon was the one who tested God, and we all test God once in a while just to make sure that, you know, are you sure, you know, that this is going to be, you know, because, you know, we want to know. And God doesn't mind. Because, you know, Gideon tested him twice, and God proved himself. But he took 39,700 men away, if I'm correct, or 29,700 men away. My math is somewhere to prove to Gideon, and guess what? You're going to win this battle with only 300 men. And just realize, God's perfect number is actually seven and three. Because he does a lot of things in threes. Um, we are in Judges chapters 6 and 7. If you have any questions, comments, you can, um, if you're in the studio, you can log in at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash man dash in the mirror or call in at 917-889-2271. Press the number one on your phone. We would be glad to hear your comments. But, we're just having a good time tonight because, you know, blessed assurance, you have to be assured that, you know, when you go in, Michelle gave us an example of a job offer of jobs that she wanted to make sure she was assured that, you know, God had to tell her she wasn't going to make a move. You know, many of us want to jump in like, <laughs> and that's what God was trying to tell the trying to tell Gideon. If you move with 10, if you move with the 32,000, it's going to be like, yeah, we got this on our own. You know, that's how some of us people are. We try to take God's glory because we did it as an almighty eye. But if we really think about it, God brought us through everything that we're going through. And even with the 300, and if I read the rest of the stories, we do have time, starting at the rest of verse 8. Now the camp of Midian lay below him in the valley. During the night, the Lord said to Gideon, get up and go down against the camp because I am going to give it into your hands. If you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant, Porah, and listen to what they are saying. Now, this, is a, this is the beautiful part. Afterward, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. So he and Porah, his servant, went down to the outpost of the camp. The Midianites and the Amalekites and all the other eastern people had settled in the valley, thick as locusts. Now, remind you, they are thick as locusts, and he only has how many men, folks? 300. They're thick as locusts, but he has 300. I'll say that again because the Lord is revealing this to me. They thick as locusts, but he has 300. Their camels could no more be counted than the sand on the seashore. Again, 
can't count the camels that stand on the seashore, Ficus Locus. Gideon robbed just as the man was telling a friend his dream. I had a dream, he was saying. A round loaf of barley bread came barley bread came tumbling into the midnight camp. It struck the tent with such a force that the tent overturned and collapsed. Collapsed. Now we're talking about a barley loaf of bread struck a tent and with the force that the tent turned over and collapsed. His friend responded. This can only be nothing than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hand. And that was all but God. God, Gideon, God told Gideon, go ahead. You want to hear wow. me? They're talking about you, man. They're talking about you. They're talking <laughs> about you, dog. They, they look, go ahead. I'm going to let you go down there and listen to them. I'm going to let you go down there and listen. And you, I, you, they, they talking about you. They down there trembling. They thick as locusts. Their camels could no longer be counted than the sands on the seashore. Now I'm going to jump back to 6:33 because that the Lord keep giving that to me. Now all the Midianites, Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern people joined forces and crossed over the Jordan, Jordan, and camped in the valley of Jezreel. Now. He's saying, this can, you look, a round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the midnight camp. It struck the tent with such a force that the tent overturned. That was verse third, part of 13. That's the B. His friend responded, this can only be nothing than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash. Verse 14. The Israelites, God not those other 27,900, not the 10,000, not the 32,000 he started off with, but he's talking about 300 men. And he's saying, God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. <laughs> you know, Gideon was like, yeah, I got this. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down. Okay, this is the second time. He worshipped after, in verse 6, in chapter 6, he worshipped after the angels came. Now we're talking about he got bowed down and worshipped. He didn't get up and say, let's go. No, he bowed down and worshipped. What did Job do? He bowed down and worshipped. You know, we have to get into this habit that when we hear stuff like this, when things are going we still down, sing a hymn, do what you got to do. But he bowed down and worshiped. He ain't go, okay, we got it, let's go. No. This is like his third test because God told him he didn't did the fleece twice. He had to hear it for himself. He bowed down and worshiped. He returned to the camp of the Israelite and called out, get up. The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands, dividing the 300 men into three companies, which is, okay, don't laugh. I know my math is poor, but that's 100 men per company. He placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them with torches inside. Watch me, he told them. Follow my lead. When I get into the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. When I, and I 
when I and all who are with me blow your trumpets, then from all around the camp blow yours and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp and the beginning of the middle, which just as they had changed the guard, they blew their trumpet and broke the jars that were in their hands. The three companies blew the trumpets and smashed the jars, grasping the torches in their left hands and holding in their right hands the trumpets they were to blow. And they shouted, The sword of the Lord and for Gideon. While each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran crying out as they fled. I read that again. The sword of the Lord and for Gideon. While each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran, crying out as they fled. When the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. So they really had to do no work. They just had to follow directions. The army fled to Bethsheda, towards Zerah, as far as the border of Abel, Mahora, near uh, Tabith, the Israelites from Naphtali, Asher, and all Manasseh were called out, and they pursued the Midianites. Gideon sent messengers throughout the hill country of Ephraim, saying, Come down against the Midianites and seize the waters of the Jordan ahead of them as far as Beth Barah. So all the men of Ephraim were called out as they seized the waters of the Jordan as far as Beth Barah. They also captured two of the Midianite leaders, Oreb and Zeb. Zeb, they killed Oreb at the Rock of Oreb and Zeb at the winepress of Zeb. They pursued the Midianites and brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon, who was by the Jordan. So that was his blessed assurance. God Amen. gave Gideon the assurance that I got you. Because I I was jumping all over because I wanted to piece it together so you can see that they were more against him than, you know, that that was with him. But they didn't know that God was with him. God was with him. Again, God was with him. God gave him that blessing and assurance that I got you. I got you. I don't care what it, what it looked like. In many times when we see those 32,000 people at our job, that boss that's getting on our nerves, that, you know, those bills that are coming in left and right, those people that are just driving you bonkers, those, those are your Midianites, Amalekites, and other Eastern things that are going on in your life. Those are things that you're looking at saying that they're almost bigger than what God is. But you got to realize they are not bigger than what God is because they ran. You know, they, if we go back to there, you know, he said, look, God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. They already knew it. If they already knew it, then you know that, hey, it's nothing we could do. They already knew it. So all they had to do was follow the program. Any questions or comments, Michelle, as we're winding down? 
My 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 phone just wants to play mute games with me today, but that's okay. <laughs> but I just wanted to say, you know, in listening to that whole entire story, I really did uh, love that story because, you know, a lot of times we are asking God for things. We're praying. So when you're praying about a situation and you're asking God for revelation, guidance, these things, that we ask ask him for, we should have an expectation that he is going to show us something. And so that's this, if you want to call it sign, you know, that he shows us. He he shows us which way to go. He guides our steps and our movements so that, you know, we are blessed. And he makes he can make an an impossible situation you know, turn out for your good. And, and you know, we have all seen it. We've literally all seen it time and time again. And then uh, one of the things that, you know, I was listening to the end of the story, but one of the things that I really noticed, you know, when God is working sometimes, and, and I'll loosely call, you know, people, you know, who are opposing you at the time, your your enemy. But we know that we're supposed to have love for for all people, even the ones who come against us. But, you know, he will even make your enemies confused. They will be confused trying to figure out why they let you go, why they uh, gave you more money when they didn't want to give you any, Why, why they, you know, opened up a door for you that, you know, only they could control and they did it and they trying to figure out why did I do that? I don't, you know, they may not even like you that much, really. They may not, but, but it's, it's that spirit. It moves, God moves his hand and people will do things that they do not even understand in your favor. He gives you that godly favor, that, that Holy Ghost favor that, can't, you know, you cannot deny it. And so that's the normal with God. That's, that is the everyday miracle of God. He does these things in the little tiny areas of our life and then the big, huge obstacles that we don't even know, you know, how we're going to overcome. Like people who, you know, become sick with cancer and he uses them their story and their sickness to bless, bless, and bless people. And then they get to watch that person be healed and just get to praise God with them because God brought them through the situation and showed his glory and his might in the situation. So, I mean, it, God, this is his everyday mode. This is, this is not anything special. This is what God does on a daily basis. And, and, you know, sometimes we are in tune, sometimes we may not be, and God may have to get our, our attention, but this is our God. This is what he does from the very small thing to the very huge, very life-altering thing. He can do this for you. Amen, amen, amen. I'd like to thank all of you. I'm not even going to go behind that. Who have been listening tonight? 
the story really brings the story really brings home about how God still blesses us even when we mess up. Those Israelites were just done through. God was mad with them. God would look. Y'all just y'all in time out. But he was still there and he still gave them that blessed assurance that you win. You got it. I got you. I'm gonna be there. So when you you know, when you have your Gideon experience, because it was called blessed assurance, but it also can be subtitled the Gideon experience. That when you think that you're down and out and when you think you you know you need thirty two thousand people, you don't need that. You just need a few. Because God will wean them out for you. And, you know, again, I thank you guys so much for the love and support for Man in the Mirror. And with that said, um, it'll be on demand within the next 10, 15 minutes. You can listen to the replay, pass it on. But um, Gideon is a good story because we have to have that assurance knowing that God got our back. This is Hezekiah L. Montgomery signing off. And as always, we'll see you at the mirror.